God, thank you so much that you are a good God and that you are communicating to your people. God, I thank you that you have not given up on us. I know that there are people in our congregation who are carrying heavy weights. I know there are people in our congregation who right now feel like things are too challenging. That how are you going to do anything? And for those people in the congregation right now, I pray that your peace and that your presence would be real right now. God, I pray that in today's service, that they would hear of a God, that, that we would all hear of a God who is way larger than our circumstances and way more precise than our comprehension. And so, Jesus, I pray today that you would be glorified in everything that we say and do as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. Right then, so one of our promise grants is, uh, is happening right now, and we had a bunch of teens get together, and they were using their imagination saying, what could we do? How could we help? How could we participate in foreshadowing the fulfillment of God's promises? And they came up with this wonderful idea that they're calling Mittens for Mish. And, uh, and what they're doing is that they are, is they are collecting mittens to make sure that every child has a pair of warm mittens this winter. And over the next few days, they're collecting mittens and they have, a, they have an organization that works with indigenous people that's going to be distributing them out throughout. And, and this is just really good. It's coming from the heart of our teens. Coming from our teens when they say, hey, come on, let's, let's do this. And so I'm just so excited. So if you have mittens, if you could bring mittens next week, you could give them to uh, Michaela or Noah um, or uh, any pastor, and we will make sure that we get them to the right place. And this is what the initiation of grants are. When we're able to get together, we can really engage our community. And I believe that church is really the place where people can use their imagination and say, how can we make this world look more like the kingdom of God? And the church needs to be a place where we, where we allow that. We create structures in which that happens. And so I want, to, uh, I want to encourage that today. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Yesterday it was 14 degrees. But it's Christmas. And so because I was caught up with other life things that were going on in the month of November, I didn't get my Christmas lights out. And I thought, oh, I've missed it in my street. They, my neighbors, they were calling me a Grinch. And I was like, I'm not a Grinch. Come on, guys, just give me a chance. And, and then God gave me a chance. And I got Christmas lights out yesterday. Not that that matters to anything, but it's Christmas. And as Christians... We get to, we're called to explore the edges of what we know about God. That's something that we're called to do. And, and, and a lot of times in our churches, what we, what we try to do is we, is we try to, to make God into an understandable package so that we can present a clear image to somebody else, which is good. But I wonder, when was the last time you let your imagination about God run free? When was the last time that you, that you thought, I wonder how far this God goes? I wonder how deep this God's 
love is. I wonder what type of God this God that we serve is. How far have you let your imagination go? What's the most extensive imagination that you've had of God in, and being in his presence? I mean, we get caught up in the, in, in the passage of Revelation 4 where, where John gets caught into a vision and he's, and he's brought into the throne room of God. Right? This ima- throne room of God is not imagination. When we look at it, since we've never been there, what we have is our imagination. And, so, and we have the words of Scripture. And so, so when have we done these things? When have we allowed ourselves to push against the boundaries of our understanding of a God that's been packaged for us and say, God, how much greater are you than this? One of the thoughts that comes to mind is Psalm 95, verse 4. It says, In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. You know, do we get caught up so much in our own life that we struggle to imagine God standing on the mountain like on the top of Mount Robson in British Columbia. There is God. Do we, do we sometimes get so caught up in our day-to-day that we forget that the depths of the earth, the Bible says, God is right there. Psalm 139.8 says, If I ascend to the heavens... You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. And as a Christian, sometimes it's easier to shrink God into my own experience than to expand my thoughts towards God's experience. Sometimes I'm going, God, where are you in my life right now? Where, where are you in my, in my experience? How do I fit you here into my day by day? When sometimes maybe our prayer would be way more full of wonder if we say, God, what are you experiencing right now? What's happening in your day today? As you experience churches around the world, people gathering, worshiping you, as you experience bringing healing into lives all over the world, as you experience pushing people towards um, holiness and rightness and and inspiring people to, to love their neighbors. God, what's your experience? And when we get into those moments, when we set aside our small experiences, trying to shove God into our experiences, and start to ask God, God, what are you experiencing? Sometimes God blows our minds. Sometimes he just blows our minds. Deuteronomy 10, 14. Behold, the Lord your God, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of the heavens, the earth with all that's in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You, above all peoples, as you are this day, 
God chose to set his heart in love on you. Let me continue. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskins of your heart and no longer be stubborn, for the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who's not partial and takes no bribes. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for if you are sojourners in the land of Egypt, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you will swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord has made you as numerous as the stars of the heavens. The God we serve is the God of all other gods. The Lord of every authority in the world. The one who has the ability to make everything right. And this is the God who has chosen to love you. You didn't compel God to love you. You didn't do anything that made God love you. But God chose to. See, God is present because he chooses to be. So yes, he is here in our existence. But in the study of cosmology, in the study of the entire universe that God has created, Emmanuel, God, is there. In the infinitely large, God is there. He's, this is galactically impossible to comprehend. You think of that. Planets beyond our own, other solar systems, out of the galaxy into the masses of potential for other galaxies, solar system, rocks, cells, gases, nebula. All there to increase the wonder of God. God is there. And sometimes what we've done in, in these religious constructs that we set up is we, is, is we go, oh, well, if God is that far away, oh, well, you know, when we set up a deistic idea, God's out there far away. No, no. The God who is out there is also here. The mystery of the expanse unfolds in our minds. God's there, present, planning, and showing himself to us. He's showing himself to us. It's not the planet or the galaxy, but he created them. Get this. He created everything for us, for our exploration, for our learning, for our growth. Did you notice that, that even through the history of humanity, the idea of, of the extents of the earth, the extents of this world, have grown? Adam and Eve inside of a garden, very small, and the extent of the earth grows. It covers the whole ancient Middle East. And this is the world as they know it. And then, and then as, as the world expands through the ages of history, they say, oh, well, here is the world. And, and we've got the Orient. And we've got Africa. And we've got Europe. And there is the world. And then the world expands. And we have the new world. 
And we've got an understanding of everything that's happening. And then, and then as, we've, as we've mapped out every coastal line, every detail, we've explored it. We've said, yes, here we are. We're understanding our world. And the world expands. And we put, we put telescopes out into the universe. And the world expands. Someone said, omnipresent is a hard thing to grasp. He is here, yet there. It's hard for our mind to think beyond the linear. And you're absolutely right. And that is where wonder starts to come in. When we allow ourselves for a time of discipline to say, I am going to consider this God that I serve and allow worship to emanate from that consideration. Someone else says, Emmanuel, God with us, it's mind-blowing to consider the vastness of creation and know that God became one of us to dwell among us. We get this huge, and then we get God coming to dwell among us. God is present in the infinitely small as well. He's there. The same is true for when we look at cosmology, but we look inward, we look down, Instead of out to the heavens, cosmology also brings us down into the molecular, to the smallest particle. The discovery that an element is no longer the smallest thing, the smallest building block. It's not even the cell as the smallest part of the human body as was thought about a thousand years ago. Actually, a little bit less than that. We discover that smaller and smaller, and it, it just continues to get smaller. There's nothing stopping the exploration of the small. There's nothing stopping it. How great is this infinite God that every single time the humans say, we're going to find the theory of everything, that, that, that it's, it's within the matter of like a few years that they're like, oh, this is it. What was it, about 15 years ago, the theory of everything held inside of string theory. And now string theory falls apart that, that we're actually looking even smaller and more precise and more detailed. The infinite God stretches everything to the most precise. And all we are is people who discover it. You think of the number pi. I know there are people in this, in this congregation that love the number pi. You celebrate pi day. And so you've got the number pi, and it is infinitely precise. It's beautiful. Every step more accurate than the step before, more precisionly crafted. And the God who is infinite over the entire universe is infinite in the precision of the makeup of who we are. And yet we try to fit God. Where's God in my situation? God is absolutely in every single element of your body. He is working and knows it and understands every pain you feel, every sorrow you have, every joy you under, you've experienced. God is present at work. And sometimes our God becomes too small and we go, oh, well, I understand everything there is to know about God. We don't. 
See, God has gone ahead of our precision. Exploration is God's intended occupation for humanity. Go, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Exploration is the occupation for humanity, the craft of God's wonder. How far does it go? As we explore the world around us, we start to see, wow, God is way ahead of us on this. Way ahead of us. It's not, it's not paganism. It's, it's simply saying this is not God, but this is showing me the detail, the orientation, the character of God, the precision of God, his compassion, his care that he invests himself in it. We actually say, God, I stand in awe of your artistic ability. If only I can imitate it in some way. See, so often we've, we've pushed against the occupation, saying all we need to do is, the occupation of exploration, we've said all we need to do is just understand this package that we can, that we can then tell other people about this package so that then when they learn this package, then they can tell other people about this package. Okay, yes, there is. Spread the gospel, absolutely. But spreading the gospel for the gospel's sake doesn't actually call anybody into anything. It calls us into a cycle that when Jesus comes back, there's no more need of. So then what is eternity except for the exploration of God and the glory of what he is and who he is? And we explore infinitely. And so the call to all of us is Jesus has made a way. He is inviting you in to explore him in all of his facets, in everything he's done, everything he is. God is at work. God is at work. The infinite God allows humanity to infinitely explore his creation and therefore also explore him. See, God teases us with knowledge. One of my favorite verses, I can't believe I didn't put this in here. One of my favorite verses is, is, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to seek it out. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter and then the glory of kings to seek it out. We have been called kings and queens and princes and princesses. We're called into the kingdom of God and God's calling us to explore and cause it to draw wonder about him. The wonder of God. He's teasing us with this superficial knowledge of his creativity. You know, we don't, we don't discover God's limits when we discover the world God created. What we discover is God's ability, his artwork. We see his character, his attention to detail, and all of that births hope. It's funny that the scientific world used to say, and they're saying it a little bit less now, but they used to say that every time we get to the end of our tools to discover uh, the universe, they, that we, we create something called the God vacuum. Oh, well, under that, that then, then it's God. Oh, well, well, under the smallest atom, oh, well, then it's God. And the, and the scientific community used to make fun of Christians for this. But as they keep on breaking through barrier after barrier, finding more and more, we find more and more in the scientific community going, this is brilliant. This is something way beyond our imagination. God is beautiful. 
God is at work here. Not just underneath everything, but in the whole scope of all of the exploration, we see God genuinely working, and we see the evidence of God all over it. God creating infinite complexity to give us infinite space to explore him. It drives us further to exploration. Can we find the limits of God? I mean, as a human, I'm stuck right here in my body. My perceptions all come in through my senses, all eight of them. And so we have this ability to perceive. And what we want to do is we want to anthropomorphize God. Imagine God like us. And in doing so, we've shrunk God. Yet even there, God has imagined himself to become like us. The story of Christmas. God's imagined himself to become like us. And said, let me experience this as well. See, humanity desires to explore, innovate, and create because we're made in the image of God. Someone wrote here on Slack, exploring God, uh, exploring the God vacuum gives us opportunity to give him glory. And somebody continued it and said, it gives us opportunity to develop our faith. And this is true. So, so we've discovered the rules by which our universe operates. And then we discover the motivation behind it as we study the word of God, as we study the revelation of God in history. And we start to say, wow, God, you have truly blown my mind. There is no boundary to our exploration. Humanity was created to explore the God who loves and created them. So have we lost our desire for exploration? Have we lost it in our faith? Do we think that our theology is so well put together that there is no more need for exploration of God? Is it so neat and tidy in our little boxes? Or does God say, that's for your understanding that you were able to put it into boxes. Now let me blow your mind and make myself bigger in your mind. The wonder of God. The wonder of God. We are explorers. Do we forget who we are? Coming all the way back to our text. Yet the Lord set in his heart in love, he set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all people. He has chosen to love you this Christmas. He has chosen to be present with you. Our universe expands beyond our reach throughout history. But God was never challenged by it. Our life sometimes feels like it's caught up. But God, who is beyond, he's there before we knew he ever existed. And so God overwhelms us at times. When we, when we allow this to happen, he overwhelms us. And that overwhelming brings 
worship. Oh, Lord Jesus. I pray for this congregation over Christmas. I pray that we would ask you the question, God, what's your experience like? What are you driven by? What's pa- what are you passionate about right now? God, that we would catch your heart as we look around, as we see the faces, as we see the, the beauty, as we see your work. I pray that you would allow us to step outside of our situational theology and step into a true understanding of you that says that you are faithful and good and loving for all eternity, through all space, through all time, and that you are the one that we hitch all of our hope on. And I thank you for your love for us. Those words are too small. We are so grateful and we stand in worship of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for Promised Church. We're so glad that you are here. And so I wonder, um, or I, I pray that you will continue to wonder, 1232. God bless you.